Hey, did you guys hear about that group of uh, zealots in the South? They get together every year uh, down in, down South, and they stand around in the rain for days and just waiting and waiting and 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 praying. And they pray really intensely for three minutes, and then they just all go home. Yeah, you, have you heard of that? No, what, no. What are you talking about? It's called here? the Kentucky Derby. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh no! It's my days. Podcasting from mondays.quap.com, it's Mondays with your host, Carl Franklin. This is Jay Franklin here at Gunpoint in my brother's studio where he is forcing me to read the following message. Say it. Java sucks and .NET rules. The Mondays crew is off this week, so we may bring you this special episode entitled The Best of... Uh, say it, say it, say it. Uh, The Best of Carl Franklin funniest member of Mondays and the best programmer in um in the world from mondays.pwop.com it's news bites with your host Carl Franklin Thank you very much. This is Carl Franklin. You're listening to News Bites, a quick synopsis of news for those with nanoscale attention spans. Good afternoon. I'm pleased to announce my nomination of Judge Al Gonzalez to be the Attorney General of the United States. Since I never finished elementary school, <laughs> I have counted on Al Gonzalez to help with one of the president's most important responsibilities, corporate fraud. He always gives me his bedroom counsel. Over the past decade, I've also come to know the shift that John Ashcroft has served our country. I look forward to welcoming my great friend to the cabinet. Congratulations. Well, anyway, Chief Justice William H. Rehnquist is working from home this week after undergoing treatment for thyroid cancer. Uh, he was he was taken ill last week, which raised questions about the availability of a new seat on the Supreme Court. While President Bush is glad to see that he's recovering, apparently Senator Edward Kennedy of Massachusetts doesn't quite know how to react. We all pray for the health of our Chief Justice. But the reality is that he's an asshole. <laughs> and uh, one of these days, the people of the, Palestinian, uh, the Palestinians will realize that there is a bright future because freedom is taking hold. A future that enables their children to get educated, a future in which they can start their businesses, and a future in which they're certain that the money's going into the treasury of their government is being spent fairly in a transparent way, a future in which corruption is not the norm, a future in which rule of law prevails. Hey, if they can achieve that, I'm moving to Palestine, man. Yeah. I, sounds like a wonderful idea. I, you know, I wish we had that in this country. <laughs> Free societies are able, societies able to develop trust between each other. That was one of the favorite clips I had this week. Listen to that again. 
Free societies are able societies able to develop trust between each other. <laughs> Free societies are able societies able to develop trust between Free each societies other. Free societies are able societies. It's almost musical. If you choose not to be helped, if you decide you don't want a free democratic society, then nothing we can do. <laughs> oh my god, I totally know why I voted for him. He had a great beat. Then nothing we can do. You can dance to it. And the reason why I'm so strong on democracy is then nothing we can do. <laughs> oh, this is awesome, Carl. They're not winged up. <laughs> People who say democracy is not possible in certain societies. But remember, that was said right after World War II with Japan. And today, one of the people that I work closest with um, is my friend, Prime Minister. Um, Corey, sorry, what the fuck is your name? Karma Sutra, Jesus, what the fuck? Is Say it. Name. Koizumi. Prime Minister knows Koizumi. He is a, he's, he's a, he's a good man. The not winged dude. <laughs> and the reason why I'm so strong on democracy is the not winged dude. <laughs> and the reason why I'm free societies are able societies able to develop trust between them. And the reason why I'm the not winged dude. Free societies are able societies able to develop trust between each. And the reason why I'm the not winged dude. And the reason why I'm free societies are able societies able to develop trust between each. And the reason why I'm Story number one. Car crashes of the future to be caused by drivers tuning into Direct TV from nice. Associated Press in Detroit. As their average commute time rises, Americans are making their vehicles increasingly homelike with cushy seats, multiple zones of climate control, and DVD players. So it's no surprise that the next big thing in vehicle accessories is satellite television. Woohoo! Quote, people want the same entertainment and services they have at home in their car, end quote, said Chris Watson, a spokesman for Rhode Island-based KVH Industries Incorporated, which first introduced satellite TV and vehicles two years ago. Quote, it is really becoming an extension of the living room, end quote. And after satellite TV, well, analysts say that General Motors is in talks with Select Comfort, makers of the sleep number bed, to change the very nature of car seats as we know them today. No longer will long-distance drivers merely tolerate their rigid and largely uncomfortable driving thrones, opting instead to dial in their firmness preference, their sleep number, and slip away into unconsciousness behind the wheel of their four-ton gas-chugging double-wides as scents of lavender and apple pie waft over them from the built-in fragrance generator and the sounds of a babbling brook dance in their heads in 5.1 surround sound. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> well, I've been doing okay this week. Uh, my three-year-old daughter, Clara, is actually sitting here on my lap for a few minutes before she goes to bed. Oh, hey, guys, listen to this. She's been going to a very prestigious nursery school. Check this out. Hey, Clara, what's 109 minus 44? 65. Very good. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the capital of Andorra? Andorra, Latvia. Excellent. Wow, wow yep. Clara. 
Wow. Yeah, well, Carl, you, you're not the only one with a smart kid, you know. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah, man, my son happens to be quite gifted in the area of brain power. <laughs> hey, hey, Mini-Me! Mini-Me, yeah, you get over here! <laughs> hey, everybody say hello to Mark Jr. Mm. Hi, Mark. Hey. Mark, this is Clara. Say hi to Clara. Hi, Clara. Hi, Mark. How old are you? None of your business, old man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you how old I am. Are you uh, girl or boy? I'm a boy. I think you're a girl. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, Mark. Mark, what's the cube root of 64? Good, 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 good. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> See, Carl? You're not the only one with a smart kid. Oh, come on, man. What are you talking about? He just said, ah, four times. He yeah, and know. that's the cube root of 64, isn't it? Four. All right, well, okay, Clara, what Roman emperor in the year... 325 created the first ecumenical council of the church. Huh? Um. Remember? He brought forth the Nicene Creed, affirming the doctrine of consubstantiality. Constantine? Correct! (laughs) (laughs) Pulling out the history questions, eh, Carl? All right, we can hang. All right, Mark? Uh, What were Caesar's last words just before he got stabbed by Brutus? Anybody got some ice cream? Somebody look my face! Okay? Yes, good job, Mark. That is correct. Nice try, Mark, but you're wrong. Actually, I saw something about this on the History Channel last night, and there was this great debate over Caesar's last words, and that he could have, in fact, requested ice cream on his deathbed. Oh, come on. Ice cream wasn't even invented Carl, back are you then. doubting the ingenuity of the Romans? They invented a hamburger and stadium <laughs> entertainment, for Christ's sakes. Do you really think ice cream was out of their grasp? I mean, if somebody was stabbing you, what would you oh, want? Of course on, you'd man. want ice cream and maybe a Band-Aid, but you'd want ice cream first. All right, first. fine. All right, well, listen to this. Clara, define the word pancosmism. The fairy that the material universe is all there is. Yes! Oh, oh Carl. All right, fine. Well, All right, Mark, I want you to define the word deprecated and use it in a sentence well well what you didn't hear that <laughs> well i heard him give you a raspberry don't tell me you even think there's an answer in hey, that jeff man. you recorded that right y- yeah i record everything mark okay play it back for carl yeah hang on jeff can you slow it down a little bit when you play it back so carl can yeah, all right hang on a sec you gotta be kidding me man it's in there it's in there you just have to find it All right, Mark, I think you're full of crap, but I'm going to look in this thing anyway and do a little frequency analysis and what the? What is it, man? There's another signal in here. That sounds backwards, man. (laughs) Gee, you think? Let me reverse it. I am the god of hellfire. I will answer your silly question, but remember that first your soul is mine for the taking. Deprecated. To to desire the removal of. To seek deliverance from. As in, Carl has just deprecated in his past. Let's get this party started. Just <laughs> we settled that uh, little conflict, eh, Carl? Yeah.
Story number three. Bandwidth is skin deep. Technology Review reported last week that this month, NNT Labs, the research and development wing of Nippon Telegraph and Telephone Corporation, plans to start conducting field trials for a radical new human area networking technology called Red Tactin that uses naturally occurring electrical fields of human skin to transmit data. True story. The slim PCMCIA-based Red Tactin transceiver combines an optical receiver circuit equipped with a super-sensitive photonic electrical field sensor and a crystal to transmit data over the surface of the human body at up to 10 megabits per second between wearable devices. Monday's correspondent Mark Miller spoke with senior scientist Igor Schmeckel at NNT Labs last Thursday, and they had this interaction. Okay, Mr. Schmeckel, uh, just how does this... Re- hey, Schmeckel! Right, Mr. Schmeckel, how does this uh, red tacked on skin network thing of yours work? Well, basically, you've got photons, which are, uh, you know, photons I don't you. Um, you know what? Why don't you uh, refresh the memory of our listeners? All right. Well, a photon is I the quantum of electromagnetic energy regarded as a discrete particle <laughs> having zero mass, no electrical charge, and... Uh, uh Yeah. Light yeah. particles. They're friggin' light particles, all right? <laughs> right, right. Pieces of light. Got it. Got it. So these photonic sensors sit in your skin and using the electrical fields in the skin, a crystal sensor, da 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 morse code like data stream down your arm or across your chest from, say, an iPod or a spot watch. So, so this is like a, this is basically you've invented the telegraph then, right? No, it's not a freaking telegraph. Did I say it was a telegraph? <laughs> well, well, no, but you just said that the, the crystal sent this this da 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 Morse code like data stream thing out. Oh, Mike, it? I didn't say it was Morse code. I was just trying to put it in terms that ordinary schmuck such as your Monday's audience there could understand. Okay, so if I'm, let me ask you this: if I'm taking a crap, could my watch somehow sense that through my skin and then like automatically record dimensions and weight? in a database used by my new poopy tracking software? <laughs> Try to use your brain. That would be impossible. <laughs> of course, if we tweak the transfabulator down a few millirads, <laughs> we might just be able to measure the size of your little food, baby. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Smegma. I appreciate your uh, time in, with the interview today. Smeckle! Jesus! Get it right! Get this man away from my office and all physical and electronic forms! Oh, oh man, Carl, you know, there's something about that guy saying the word food, baby, that really warms my heart, man. I love it. I didn't get past the word nippon, actually. I was talking up there. All right. Story number four. Opportunity knocks, pings, rolls over, and dies. NASA's Opportunity Mars rover has run into a sandy snag. All of its six wheels have sunk in deep into a large ripple of soil. Rover operators are optimistic they can extricate the robot from its jam, having gotten dug in before. But ground controllers will need time to wheel back on top of the soil again. Dr. Bunsen Honeydew from the Jet Propulsion Laboratory has this to say. (laughs) Here at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, my assistant Beaker and I have been busy tracking the Opportunity rover using the latest in Microsoft.net remoting technology. Beaker, what is the rover doing now? 
Well, Beaker, there's no need to swear. I'm sure that if you just get the right config file settings, you'll be able to reestablish contact on the correct port. No, you're using the correct version. What the fuck is going on? Maybe you just have to use camel casing. Well, I'm afraid my assistant beaker has abandoned the project. He said he was going to a Linux convention. Back to you, Carl. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's not the big news in News Bites. The big news is that I've been atten- I've actually been, and you guys don't know this, but I've been attending President Bush's press conferences in Washington, D.C. and asking him questions. I've, I've sort of been lurking uh, in the background, but he knows my name. Uh, I don't think he knows who I really am, though, but I got in with a friend of mine in the business, and gee, it's been about seven weeks now. It's been pretty cool, though. I've been hobnobbing with him. He actually digs the Red Sox, or so he says, anyway. Um, but I, you know, I, I think I'm beginning to change my opinion of President Bush. But anyway, before I cut my hair and shave my beard last week, I actually got to ask him a question at the press conference. Uh, let's have somebody new. Hey, Mr. President, your hair looks good. Did you just get a cut? Yes, Carl. Thank oh. you. I accuse Carl of trying to look like Johnny Damon. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, Mr. President, I have a very straightforward question, and it uh, should be very easy to answer. It's on a lot of people's minds. Uh, how long is it going to take before you actually get a, a clue? Because I really want to know, you're, you're absolutely clueless, and if you had a clue, you wouldn't know what the hell to do with it anyways. <laughs> no, it's a very legitimate question, uh, Carl, and it's, uh, I get asked that uh, by family members I meet with, and people say, well, how long do you think it'll take? And my answer is, uh, I, uh, I believe that uh, 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 I'm going to find somebody who knows something about intelligence. <laughs> Ready to do the job, and I'll let you know at the appropriate time when I find such a person. (laughs) Story number four, CA to triple Chinese sales by 2009 from Reuters. Business software maker Computer Associates International aims to triple annual sales in China in the next four years, as it tries to expand its market share by battling Hewlett-Packard and IBM. To date, CA has sold one copy of their software to China, (laughs) and it plans to sell three more. Yeah! (laughs) They have thousands of users, though. (laughs) Story number five. Japan abandons iPod tax idea. Japan is for I swear to God, Japan is foregoing a copyright law revision to charge royalties on digital music players, a proposal dubbed the iPod tax, after discussions in a government panel produced no consensus on ways to police violations. The Japanese, these guys, you should got Japanese should pay a USB food key idiocy tax. <laughs> <laughs> a Hello Kitty pushing automatic toilet paper wiping stupid f- Tamagotchi dying, <laughs> dumb shit pushed on the rest of the fucking world tax. <laughs> yeah, that Mark Miller School of Comedy starting to pay off, eh, Carl? There you go. <laughs> Japanese. And finally, Adam Curry's id, one, ego, zero. 
Anyone who listens to Mondays knows that Adam Curry was a driving force behind the popularizing of podcasting as an art form. We also know that lots of other people helped in the process. Well, most of us know that. Apparently, Adam Curry isn't too comfy with sharing the spotlight with anyone else who had anything to do with podcasting. So in a brazen move, totally true, he tried to anonymously edit the Wikipedia entry for podcasting to remove credit from, from other people and inflate his role in its creation, according to a story at shrinksfer.com slash 9L2. Comments on a popular blog at dig.com, D-I-G-G.com, reflect an outpouring of raspberries in Mr. Curry's direction. You can read that at shrinkster.com 9L1. Now, as I said, this has brought out a lot of bad feelings toward the Currymeister. Lots of comments like, his show sucks anyway, and the like. But <laughs> really? No, you can go read it. But I, I, I don't know. I think The Daily Source Code is a pretty good show. I, I just think he needs to do a little more editing. Like, uh, take this clip from the September 30th, 2005 show. Um, in, uh, uh, what is it called there? Um, <laughs> I, forget, I forget what town it is. Um, of course, the Bay Bridge is right here next to the, next to the, the Curry Condo. So all the traffic, Jesus Christ, that's a humongous penis limo. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those with like the, the hot tub in the back. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Um, Camp Curry, where you are, where you recorded that uh, in Yosemite National, National Park, um, used to belong to my family. Absolutely true. In fact, um, the Curry clan, as they're known, uh, really mainly from uh, Kansas. Uh, my, uh, my great, my great uncle, I think. Something like that uh, was John Stuart Curry, a <laughs> uh, famous rural painter, hangs in the Metropolitan Museum of Art, I think, <laughs> one of those in New York. Um, but that's a pretty sizable audience that we have, bigger than um, than a, a major market radio station. That, that freaked me out. Now, I'm not telling him what to do or anything, but I, th I think... And this is the kind of thing that we do really well here at Plot Productions. That with just a little editing and some cleaning up, he could turn this into really compelling radio. Well, here's what I mean. This, this, is, this is what it could sound like. Humongous penis, penis. Beautiful. What is it called there? Humongous penis, penis. I love it. My great uncle, I think. In the curry condo. <laughs> so anyway, that's <clears throat> that's just my suggestion, you know, taken from one podcaster to another, Adam. You know, Carl you Franklin, wanna, you rock, man. That's hysterical. Wanna, that was awesome. You know, just edit a little bit. 
things I've learned this week. I've learned that you should always take a ticket at the deli counter, even when there's only two people waiting for service. Hmm. I've learned that the deli lady's name is not Screw You Biatch. <laughs> it's just pronounced that way. <laughs> Do you know a lot of deli it's spelled this something week? different. <laughs> I know the same lady. I know. You're right. It's Italian, isn't it? I've learned that it takes less time to run around the deli counter than to climb over it. <laughs> that yeah. is an awesome visual. Okay. I, that. I was just thinking the same thing here. Yeah. I've, I've learned. Especially they grease that baby up that window, you know, for customers like you that might be mad. I've learned that the Waterford Stop and Shop manager's name is Tony. Uh, I actually oh. knew that, too. <laughs> I've learned that whole grain bread flies faster than Wonder hot dog buns. <laughs> that only makes sense. I've learned that you can't duck fast enough when you see the top of a Goulden's mustard bottle at close range. <laughs> it is coming fast. I've learned that every Waterford cop carries two, two pairs of handcuffs. <laughs> really? I, didn't, I had no idea. I've learned that the lost and found box at the New London Superior Courthouse does not have pants in my size. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I've learned that just getting a coffee at Dunkin' Donuts is, in fact, not allowed when under house arrest. <laughs> you think it would be, you know, with the cops stopping by there. We are yeah. in New England, just after all. Up. I've learned that, and this is the final thing I've learned this week, I've learned that the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is on Nick at Night, weeknights at 10.30 p.m., <laughs> 11 p.m., 1 a.m., 1.30 a.m., and 4 a.m. They only let you watch Nick at Night there, huh? And that's what I've learned this week. Fresh bits of palette. Franklin, you're a genius. <laughs> hysterical. I'm giving you an honorary PhD in the Mark Miller School of Comedy. <laughs> From the Associated Press, Tropicana Products Incorporated has agreed to remove claims from their advertising that state that its healthy heart, orange juice, will reduce the risk of heart disease and stroke under a settlement reached with the Federal Trade Commission on Thursday. The FTC had alleged that Tropicana misled consumers with claims that drinking two to three glasses a day of its healthy heart brand orange juice would produce dramatic effects on blood pressure and cholesterol. So, uh, Mr. Schmeckel, how do you explain that your company willingly misled the public into believing that drinking your orange juice would reduce anyone, the... not anyone, okay? We did not. All, all right, well, your company agreed to stop the claims of health benefits. If there is no problem, why stop? Uh, okay, let me explain it to you in Bro-Magnon terms, so your Monday's audience will have a chance of understanding slightly greater than Schrodinger's bugs. Producing a cat that's not pushing up daisies. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> All right, well, the whole thing about orange juice preventing heart disease was uh, pretty much a guess. A guess? <laughs> yes, a guess. A guess. So, of course, now that I'm on the project, with the induction of a proper scientific method of operation, <laughs> hypothesis, we're now in a position to count the newly discovered health benefits 
healthy hot orange juice. Did you say newly discovered health benefits? Hmm. Yes. For hmm. example, let's say you have a really hot fever. Say 313 Kelvin. 313 <laughs> Kelvin? <laughs> yes, Kelvin. Didn't you go to school and did you spend your childhood eating freaking Big Macs and cheese curls and watching Three's Company? <laughs> <laughs> so you're speaking to me, man. Three's Company. But that, did you call me Kelvin? What are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> and I, do I have to trans Jesus, Marge! Marge, give me my slide rule, please! <laughs> oh, thank you. All right, to 315 all right, so say you have a fever, 40 Celsius. You can actually take that. Uh, are you, wait, are you saying juice. that? Hold on, hold on, Mr. Smeggle. Are you saying that drinking orange juice will reduce a fever? Did I say you drink it? No, you don't drink it. You take it out of the fridge and apply it to your head. Are there any other health benefits from, from this orange juice? Okay. Yes, we found that drinking orange juice actually cures phallus placidius. What? Genitalius retractus. Rectus wobblus. I'm having a little bit of trouble understanding what you're trying to say. You can't get it up, all right? You can't get it up. Wait, are you telling me that drinking healthy heart orange juice is a cure for erectile dysfunction? Yes, that's what I said. Didn't you hear what I said? But actually, we're going to rename the product now that we've discovered this new property for healthy heart orange juice. The healthy heart on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for talking to us, Mr. Uh, Smicky. Uh, in other news, one second, a new breath freshener in the form of a menthol gel launched last Friday in Belgium with a TV commercial lasting just one second. The spot created by independent agency Duval Guillaume. Wasn't he like that famous actor in... Uh... <laughs> Benson, yeah. <laughs> Didn't he play Benson? <laughs> of Antwerp was scheduled to air during every ad break on TV channels in Belgium throughout the day. Quote, since One Second is a small company with big ambitions, DGA had to think of a way to create rumor around the new product without it costing a lot, said Katja Strauen, an account director at the agency. Quote, so we decided to make the fastest, shortest commercial ever. At least one other major company is now said to be producing one-second commercials that reflect the use of their products. A spokesperson for Trojan Condoms could not be reached for comment. <laughs> the British tabloid newspaper The Sun has published pictures of Saddam Hussein uh, hanging out in his underwear. When asked if they were going to publish pictures of the former dictator naked, a son's spokesperson said, what do you think we are, cheap? <laughs> I'm it, glad they've got standards, man. <laughs> Internet phone providers were ordered Thursday to begin supplying reliable 911 emergency call service after regulators heard testimony about people who were not able to get through to 911 in emergency. We have on the line Ben Hammerstein from Vonage to defend his uh, company. Uh, Mr. Hammerstein, how do you account for the fact that your company does not provide 911 service and uh, all these people are just assuming that it does? It's very difficult, given the Internet-based nature of my, uh, of my system, to really actually <laughs> an individual is calling from. So if something via Wi-Fi, Starbucks... Well, we're obviously having a bad connection. We'll talk to Mr. Hammerstein another time. <laughs> 
At his annual shindig for CEOs, Microsoft Corporation Chairman Bill Gates told executives that businesses need to do more to help their employees sort through an ever-growing flood of information that threatens to become a drain on productivity. To help combat information overflow, he announced that Microsoft has published a 205-page white paper on how to create more efficient and concise information systems. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've been playing out in bars since I was 15 years old, and literally playing in, in bars in high school on the weekends while my friends were flipping burgers. And then playing weddings. I was in a wedding band for a long time. And I, and you know, so I've done the thing, the live playing out for a long time. <clears throat> and I took a, you know, I haven't been doing it as much since, you know, the, the business took off and, and, you know, the, the dotnet rocks and the training and all that stuff and speaking. So I decided I'd get back into it, but I didn't have the kind of time to put into preparing songs and stuff because you do have to actually spend quite a bit of time. And so I started looking into some technology to try to help me uh, streamline my efforts so that I didn't have to work as much. And in fact, I figured, you know, with the karaoke phase that uh, people, you know, the fad of karaoke that's happening all over the all over the United States, heck, you don't even have to bring your guitar. You can just bring some kind of recording and sing to it. And then I thought, well, if I can do that, why don't I just, you know, have a box that will do the singing for me and I'll just push the button. So it sounds something like this. It's been a hard day's night, and I've been working like a dog. It's been a hard day's night. I should be sleeping like a log. But when I get home to you, I find the things that you do will make me feel all right. Sweet. You know I work yeah, isn't that all great? day. I love the song. Wow. Did you write the song? Yeah, no, I didn't write the song, but I actually, you know... That's Just a, a little song, technology. Man. You put a little script together, and and then you got to got to you know got to got to show. So instead of showing up, you just like send them a little laptop and say, Yeah, exactly. I have a laptop. I push the buttons, and I just sit back and reap the applause. Oh, that's sweet. Like man. this one. Another turning point. A fork stuck in the road. Time grabs you by the wrist, directs you where to go. So make the best of this test and don't ask why. It's not a question, but a lesson learned in time. It's something unpredictable, but in the end it's right. I hope you had the time of your life. Oh man. Pretty good, huh? <laughs> That's great. I get to see, you know, I like play weddings so, and maybe I like have a, a movie of a band playing and then I'll just hey, be like pushing the buttons to, to fade the movies in and out and that'll be sufficient, you know. People get up on the dance floor, you know, and they look up at the screen and there's this like apparent virtual band there. You could use one of those handheld projectors that uh, That's right. Rich mentioned. An LED projector. <laughs> Hell, I don't have to do anything, man, and I get paid for it. You can drive back in the time of your life. <laughs> oh my god. See that girl. Watch that scene. Dipping the dancing queen. Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> well, finally, uh, this week, the Space Shuttle Discovery is all set to launch Tuesday 
That would be July 26, 2005. After a series of setbacks and last-minute repairs that have turned the once ultra-zealous space shuttle-watching public into an unruly mob of nail-biting nervous Nellies. The psychosis started on July 12th when a cover panel on the number 7 cockpit window fell off as the orbiter sat on the launch pad late in the afternoon. NASA technicians were able to replace the two protective tiles near the tail that were damaged by the falling panel, and all systems were go for the next day's liftoff. But then, just before launch, they discovered a faulty fuel sensor, and the launch was scrubbed so repairs could be made. Basically, the dashboard indicator was reporting that a tank was full, even when it wasn't. Oh, that would suck, wouldn't it, Carl? I mean, you think you have enough gas to get to the moon and back, but then your ride (laughs) stalls before you're even halfway there, and then you're floating out of gas in some backwoods sector of space (laughs) where all the low-life aliens (laughs) hang out. (laughs) Your only source of entertainment is like an old copy of Popular Science, because that nurse ratchet witch back at Mission Control (laughs) confiscated your latest issue of Maxim before liftoff. You know the one, Carl. It was the one with the hot chick issue. It was the hot chick issue. The one with a picture of the hot chick on the cover. That one. That's the one I'm talking about. And of course, your co-pilot just happens to be a voluptuous Russian cosmonaut, and she's wearing this tight blue satin shirt. And I'm telling you, even at zero G's, the buttons are about to pop at any minute. But but no, she's she's all business and no play, Carl. Kind of like bringing along Donald Trump with a nasty case to constipation. <laughs> Oh, boy, Carl, it's times like this that I really wish I'd bought, um, brought along my Pheromones 10X secret formula that I bought from that woman who advertises in the back pages of Popside. You know, you know the one, Carl, that lady with the creepy smile? Uh, yep. Oh, man. Stuck in space with a hot cosmonaut and no pheromones to make you smell like a Russian stud muffin? Man, I hate it when that happens. I'm so glad to be back. Oh, man. Well, and now, even though NASA says they are still trying to find out what caused the fuel sensor to malfunction, they've fixed it, and they're going ahead with the launch on Tuesday. So Monday's correspondent, Mark Miller, spoke with NASA Chief Shuttle Technician, Professor Igor Schmeckel, who also happens to be the world's foremost expert in loose space shuttle parts. Mark, did you get an interview with Professor Schmeckel? Uh, Yes, I did this time, Carl. I spoke with the professor at length on his cell phone yesterday while he and his team were performing uh, last-minute inspections before the big launch. Um, Jeff, can you roll the interview, please? Uh, Yeah, hang on a sec. So tell me, Professor Schmuckle, are you still looking for the cause of the fuel sensor malfunction? Uh, Well, Mr. Miller, uh, my last name is Schmeckle. Oh, right. Yes, I'm sorry. We'll we'll cut that out of the interview. Um, I'll make sure I get that right. Thank you. Now, tell me, Mr. Uh, Shikleshack Shore Shinshin, have you found the cause of the malfunction? Well, as a matter of fact, we did, yes. And specifically, it was yours truly who finally deduced the cause uh, using the scientific method and the application of pure logic. Uh, so what was it? It was um, uh, a byte. A byte? Eight bits? Um, a byte. A byte, as in with teeth. I found a friggin' mouse nest in between the hydrogen tank. Oh, I see. <laughs> and uh, what about that panel that damaged some of the tiles before the first launch date? You didn't really hear much about that. Yes, well, uh, that's not the only problem that got a little pressed. In fact, just within the last week, I've spotted 27 life-threatening problems 
<laughs> with a diligent application of theory, hypothesis, research, and a liberal dial-up of lubricant gathered from the end of my radius bone. Wait, 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 wait. Lubricant? Lubricant on your radius bone? Yeah, that would be elmo grease, my young Neanderthal friend. <laughs> After a liberal application, I'm pleased to say that all manner of error were corrected by uh, myself. Oh, really? <laughs> What sort of problems did you fix? Well, just yesterday, for example, I was crawling through the app cabin, and I got a whiff of cyanacrylate, uh, which I'm sure I don't have to tell you, is C5H5NO2, a highly unstable compound that sometimes is used as a super polymer in the binding of insulation to engine casing. Jeepers, Mr. Short and Shimmy, ha-ha. What did you do? Ahem, it's uh, Schmeckle, and, well, I did what any real scientist would do. I applied the scientific method, gathering data, forming hypothesis, writing down my observations, setting up experiments, Testing my theories, <laughs> testing, testing. You can't do enough testing, my boy. And correlating the data and finally coming to a conclusion, <laughs> confirming without a doubt that the previous <laughs> alleged scientists at NASA who repaired a hole in the wall had used C5H5NO2 instead of the standard <laughs> bonding polymer used on spacecraft. And if they had taken off like that, the shuttle would have erupted in an enormous fireball. Wow. <laughs> it appears as if you've really saved the day, Professor Shakeshaft. Yeah, yes, well, I, uh, it, it's Schmeckle. Uh, do you have a brain problem, young man? Hmm? What? What? I... Huh? Uh, I... uh, anyway, uh, to give you another example... Last Friday, I was monitoring the electrical system, I and I spotted an almost imperceptible fluctuation in the voltage flowing to one of the starboard satirizic hydrovators. <laughs> and the previous hacks and slacks had hooked up a scheduler 2000, which apparently some technician bought on eBay for a hundred bucks. And well, you can imagine the unleashing chaos as power fluctuated outside the scheduling's capacity. So, so what was the problem? Well, after an exhaustive night of calculations and the application of my razor-sharp logic, <laughs> I determined that the large capacitor in the transformulator's logic board was caught in a vicious cycle of charging and discharging. Uh, that seemingly insignificant fluctuation was completely benign on the launch pad. But if they had launched, the minute those solid rocket boosters kicked in, the shuttle would have erupted in an enormous fireball. <laughs> Jeez, I'm crow. What would NASA ever do without you, Mr. Shakalaka Boom Boom? <laughs> indeed, Mr. Miller, indeed. Uh, why, it's just like I tell all my students, the first rule of observation is... Uh, what is that? It appears that uh, one of the hydrogen lines has sprung a leak. <laughs> is is it everything okay? I'm I'm heading over to where the leak is, and it looks like a, a group of so-called technicians have arrived <laughs> on the scene. 
say, hey, hey, get that Ouija board out of here. <laughs> what, the, what, the, what the hell is that thing? A dowsing rod? <laughs> Must have got that at Caltech. Do you think you can fix it, Mr. Sugar Smacky? It's Smackle. Smackle, Smackle, S-C-H, Meckle. Is my last name too big of a signal for the left side of your ADD-ridden cerebrum to send to your mouth? Or has your tongue been destroyed by years of gorging on jalapeno cheese whiz? Um, you know, I really wasn't prepared for a multiple-choice question here, Mr. All right, you ought to know that carnival boxes step aside and let a real scientist through. Why, I'll have this fixed in no time. Give me that hammer. Give it to me. Hammer? Oh, God. Now, observe my keen and swift powers of observation have informed me that this tank here has a small rupture somewhere along the base. Doesn't sound good. You can obviously (laughs) see some corrosion in the weld between the platforms. Uh, so, uh, uh, just want to explain that clanking sound to our listeners. Obviously, you're listening for the Doppler effect to determine the location of the leak. Is that right, Professor uh, Schmeckel? No, I'm just whacking the shit out of the tank with a hammer to close the gap. I <laughs> 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 force this opening shut with a little elbow grease. Just a few more whacks. Well, I don't think we'll be hearing from him much for a while. Also, President Bush did his uh, State of the Union address for 2005 the other night. And, um, you know, this uh, he's a very deeply spiritual man, and, and his uh, conviction to his religion has... Um, as I say, you know, sort of caused him to look around at himself and find the evil people that are surrounding him. Vice President Cheney is an asshole, and he must be assassinated tonight. (laughs) Finally, he's come to his senses. This is met with a standing ovation. Oh, that is excellent. You know, I think I missed that. I missed that in the State of the Union address. must have been a bathroom break. <laughs> yeah. Should we clap too? Is there, is there more, man? <laughs> All right, now it's time for Things I've Learned This Week. I've learned that you should always <laughs> let your cat outside before you go to bed. Uh. Right? I knew that one. I've learned that. (laughs) I've learned that the sound a 22-pound Siamese cat makes as it hurtles across the bedroom does not wake up my wife. (laughs) (laughs) I've learned that the sound of my bedroom window breaking does. Uh (laughs) Uh I've learned... That it's impossible to find anything white in 11 inches of snow at 3 a.m. <laughs> is the cat white? Isn't it a Siamese cat? I've learned <laughs> that the spare house key that we hide under the ceramic frog by my front door 
has apparently been removed by my children. Uh-oh. That was me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the white thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned that Sally, my neighbor, does not allow naked middle-aged fat guys to sleep in her garage. <laughs> Is that a blanket policy or just for you? (laughs) I've learned that if you're going to light a small fire to keep warm outside, you only need to use one gallon of gasoline. One. Just one. Only one. Any more than that would be overkill. I've learned that the Oswagachi fire chief wears a toupee. I I don't have a thing for firefighters with toupees. I've Uh. learned... Oh, that's another show. (laughs) (laughs) I've learned that the lost and found box at the New London Superior Courthouse still does not have pants in my size. (laughs) You would think they'd learn. I have an idea for making that work, Carl, by the way. If you lose some pants... They might show up there because it seems like you need those. Frequently. <laughs> <laughs> buy, buy a spare pair. <laughs> and uh, the final thing I've learned this week, I've learned that sometimes when the cat yowls in the middle of the night, he's just hungry. <laughs> and that's what I've learned this week. And I, I, I was actually listening to Tony Blair with a prime minister's questions from, from uh, Parliament. Every Wednesday, he gets together in Parliament and basically... They just have their way with him, you know, uh, and they ask him all these questions. And uh, let me just give you an example of it. Just compare and contrast, you know, what happens over there with what happens here. Michael Howard. Michael Howard, the guy said. He's going to ask Yesterday, the, the Metropolitan Police Commissioner said he totally supports the private member's bill to change the law and self-defense it's against burglars. Will the government support it too? What we have said is that we will consult now the chief police officers, the Crown Prosecution Service, and indeed the Attorney General, and I entirely understand the concern on this particular issue. I share the general comments of the Metropolitan Police Commissioner, so if we get the right response back from those people, then of course we will support a change in the law. As I understand that this particular backbench bill is not yet perfectly civil right now. We will obviously have to consider the right way to take it forward, but I entirely share and understand the concern, and I hope we can reach agreement on it. Thank you, Well, I'm very glad, uh, Mr. Speaker, to hear. They're laughing at him. But once again, where we lead, he follows. Can he tell us, can he tell us, though, why the Lord Chancellor said this week that the law did not need to be changed? Mr Speaker, first of all, let me uh, just deal with the, the issue of, of, of him leading and us following. Actually, the Home Secretary indicated that he was prepared to review the law on this a couple great. of months ago. The Right Honourable Gentleman only jumped on the bandwagon when he thought there was something in it. However, I would have thought we could deal with this perfectly sensibly. I entirely understand the concern. The Law Commission actually did look at this and say that the law did not need changing. It's totally However, unedited. Let's... I believe as a result of the concern over this that even though I think 
that the number of circumstances in which someone would actually be convicted in circumstances where they've taken on a burglar in their home will be very limited. Nonetheless, I think in the light of recent concern, it is worth looking at whether we don't have to clarify the law so that we send a very, very clear signal to people that we are on the side of the victim, not the offender. The right honourable gentleman talks about bandwagons. I'll tell him about bandwagons. This is the man. This is the man who joined Michael Foote's bandwagon to get into the Labour Party, joined the CND bandwagon to get on in the Labour Party, and did over his Chancellor's bandwagon to take over the leadership of the Labour Party. He is Mr. Bandwagon. Now let's get back to the question which he manifestly did not answer. So can you imagine if we had, you know, the same kind of stuff in, in this country? Can you imagine if Congress, the sessions, like every, like once a week, President Bush got up in front of, in front of the Congress and the House and they actually asked him questions that were on their mind? You know, it goes something like this. President Bush, when you were campaigning against Al Gore, you said you didn't want the U.S. government to be in the business of nation building. Not only are we in business, but we've got a fucking monopoly, man! (laughs) (laughs) Story number four. Microsoft goes to Wally World. Reuters is reporting that Microsoft Corporation appointed Kevin Turner, a top executive at Walmart Stores Incorporated, Uh as its new chief operating officer, the world's largest software maker said on Thursday. Microsoft's COO job considered the number three position after Chairman Bill Gates and Chief Executive Steve Ballmer has been vacant since 2002 when Rick Beluzzo left the position. You know, uh, Richard, that reminds me. I downloaded and installed the beta version of Windows Vista last week. Have you seen it yet? No, I've downloaded it, but I haven't installed it. Well, anyway, when I booted it up, a uh, 70-year-old obese woman in a blue vest jumped out at me and said, Welcome to Windows Vista! (laughs) (laughs) And and then all the cleverly crafted system icons look like f***ing smiley faces. And these obnoxious ads for special deals on hula hoops and lawn chairs made in China kept popping up as I was trying to drag some files off my DV drive. What the f***? The room's almost silent now because I've gotten rid of a bunch of other fans. It's just the one source of noise. So you have to turn it off while you're recording? I have to turn it off. Yeah, you know, I had a problem. I have problems with that here. In fact, last week uh, we were, you know, I need soundproof rooms. We were doing some sample voiceovers for a prospective client at Pop. you know. And there's a really loud car in the street with killer subwoofers. You know, you can just hear the bass, goon, 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 right? And it just goes on and on and on. And guys parked down the street. I can see them from my window. So I go down there and I walk up to the car. It's this black Mercedes with the mirrored tinting on the windows. Right. You know, like totally illegal. <laughs> <laughs> you know tinting. Yeah, Opaque. and there's this cat sitting in the road meowing horribly at the at this car well, that's weird <laughs> wow it was a weird cat too he had some sort of like metal headgear on like I, he had some sort of i don't know cat surgery with a 
brain thing. Ooh, I don't, like, a, like, like metal plate? Yeah, sort it was of sort of like a oh, metal really? plate. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. But the cat was freaking out. And I guess the, as I got closer, I saw there was a dog barking at the cat. And the cat was meowing at the dog. But So I walk up to the, to the Mercedes and I knock on the window. And, and the driver... He rolls down the window and, and it's the skanked out guy who's like high on crack and he's just, he can't even, he can't even speak. He's completely wasted. He he's, can't even aim his gun properly. Go ahead. <laughs> <he's> like, hold, <laughs> Which is lucky for you. He's like holding a cell phone to his ear, but he's not really talking. He doesn't even look at me. And dog is just like lunging at the cat at this time. The music is really loud. The guy picks up a beer can, he crushes a beer can on his head and throws it at me, hits me right on the head, and he peels out. <laughs> it was I was pissed, man. I I picked up the cat and I hurled it at the car. There you and the, go. the car it made a nice little arc and crashed right through the back window. And, there you and go. get this is unbelievable. The driver like skidded out and skidded right <laughs> into a pole. He was okay, but the tra- it caused the transformer on the pole to explode. It was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. Kids, you two can lie, just like Carl. He's a professional. <laughs> no, it's, it Take was his amazing. By the mail. guy was fine, but it, it was amazing. So this was Wednesday? Yeah, I, Tuesday. When, yeah, I think it was. I think it was Wednesday. Yeah, it was Wednesday. you had your MP3 recording all the events? <laughs> hey, yeah. Maybe your recorder recorded the whole thing. Holy shit. Hey, let me look for it, because I have the file right here on my computer. Mark, why don't, why don't you check in and tell us how your week was, and I'll look for that file. Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you about my dream. How about if we do that? You yeah, had a dream? tell me about your dream. All right. <laughs> All right, hey, I found it. I found the file. Check this out. So this is, uh, you know, that story I told you about with a guy, and I went up to the window and all that. Here, here it is. NASA does the zero bug bounce. Times Online is reporting that two days after the fraught return to Earth of the space shuttle Discovery, NASA has been forced to delay the launch of a spacecraft designed to gather unprecedented amounts of information about Mars. With just minutes to go before the scheduled launch of the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter today for a mission due to last at least four years, a NASA official said, quote, we have scrubbed for at least 24 hours, end quote. The mission was postponed after a glitch appeared in the computer software used for monitoring the fueling of the rocket used for liftoff from Cape Canaveral. NASA had already postponed the launch by a day because of a potential problem with the part of, of the flight control system. Monday's correspondent Mark Miller spoke with one of the world's top freelance scientists currently, uh, uh, currently at NASA. Professor Igor Schmeckel. So, uh, Professor Schmeckel, I think this comes as a surprise to all of us here at Mondays. Is it true that you're an expert in the field of programming computers? 
Why, uh, yes, my good man. Uh, writing software is, shall we say, a hobby of mine, into which I do a bit of dabbling. Uh, in fact, back in my San Jose laboratory, I collaborated with the well-known Professor Babbage. Gee whiz, Mr. Schminkle Shoe Ha Ha Ha. You worked with Charles Babbage, the father of all computing, the inventor of the analytical engine? Uh, no, you idiot. What, do I sound to you like a hexagenarian? Uh, hexagenarian... Hexagenarian! That's octogenarian <laughs> times two! Do I sound like I'm 160 years old? Charles Babbage passed away in 1871. No, this was Leroy Babbage. Uh, no relation that I'm aware of, actually. Although, I believe I can find a sample in the clean room, uh, and we could compare that with the Charles Babbage vial, which, quite coincidentally, my office happens to have on loan, courtesy of the dodgy old scientist sperm bank, uh, <laughs> located in West London. Ahem. Uh, anyway, uh, Leroy and I pioneered advanced data exchange techniques in our object-oriented design, which paved the way to what your generation refers to as, uh, ahem, USB 2.0. Wow. Zowie, Mr. Scooby-Dooby, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, yes, ahem, my good man. Uh, the name is Professor Schmeckel. Uh, please work to get that right. Uh, oh, yes, of course. My mistake. Yeah. I, I have it written down right here. It looks like I just mispronounced it. Don't worry, our sound guy will cut that out of the show. That'd be fine, uh, yes. So, can you tell us what's stalling NASA's latest mission to Mars? Okay, well, aside from substandard design and inattention to detail, and the user interface that was clearly beaten with an ugly stick, Twice, I can assure you that before yours truly arrived on the scene, uh, this software was in sad shape indeed. My boy, I tell you, I've already found 27 bugs uh, that if left unchecked would lead to erratic booster firing, which had a 97 and 34 one-hundredths of a percent chance of causing the rocket to burst into an enormous fireball. <laughs> wow, Mr. Chimichanga. NASA must sure be oh so happy that you're there to save the day. Yes. Well, anyway, I'm on the hunt for an elusive bug. Uh, the alleged software architects who were here at NASA before me managed to construct a mountain of fossilized dinosaur excrement which they were apparently confusing with real software. And it's painfully obvious that this copper-like code was written by a gaggle of dendrite-deficient Nasalis levatis on benzomethylacognine. Uh, synaptically challenged Nasalis-levatis-on-benzomethyl echo. Retarded monkeys on crack! <laughs> Which doesn't add up, because I happen to know that NASA shut down their RMOC program back in 1989. And at that time, I was working at an off-site lab at Los Alamitos, causing quite a stir in the scientific community, due in no small part 
to a little experiment I ran at the time, which conclusively verified my controversial 12th dimension twine theory. Uh, unfortunately, the experiment erupted into an enormous fireball, <laughs> giving me mutant powers and creating what is now known as Los Alamitos Crater. Jumping gonazoids, Mr. Speckensy Deutsch. I had no idea. Ahem, uh, yes. Uh, you have my name written down there, don't you, boy? Uh, yes, sir. And what do you have written down there? Um, <laughs> Professor Igor J. Schmeckel. Right! Right. Right. Anyway, the upside to this program is that the monkeys do indeed write a lot of code, uh, but unfortunately, very little of it actually ever compiles. Complicating matters further, around this time, the alleged scientists in charge discovered that not only was crack cocaine illegal in many states, but also more expensive than a superheated linear collider shipped overnight in the original bubble wrap arriving with 9 a.m. delivery, if you know what I mean, my boy. Sure. Right. So NASA shut the whole thing down and turned to outsourcing, uh, which, as you know, produces slightly better results. Wow, Mr. Shake and Bake, you're so smart. <laughs> yes, uh, well, thank you. And, and God damn it, the name is Schneckel! Oh, I'm sorry, did I pronounce that incorrectly again? Yes! You know, I'm sorry, I, I really have to apologize. This has to be my accent. I'll try hard to make sure that doesn't happen again. I would appreciate that, young man. <laughs> so, uh, maybe you could tell the Mondays listeners what you're doing right now at this moment. Well, uh, right now, I'm stepping through the code, uh, analyzing these uh, malodorous structures uh, with a well-disciplined and razor-sharp mind uh, tuned to a frequency that unfortunately few will ever... Oh, my God! What is it? <laughs> My, my well-honed powers of scientific observation uh, have noticed that we're passing an excessively large number of parameters from the launch subsystem out to a, what looks like a fuel management routine, which happens to be called enormous fireball starter. <laughs> For the love of peace, why do we have routines with names like this? God damn it, come over here. Look at this friggin' code. Jesus Christ. Did your mother teach you how to program? You freaking moron. You call yourself engineers? What the hell are these things stuck up on the whiteboard? Carol God. Where did you get your powder puff degree, MIT? Hey, what are you using there, mister? A crystal ball? Okay, Mr. Schmeckle. Like old Ding Dong, we'll let you return to your debugging. Carl, back to you. Okay, now it's time for Things I've Learned This Week with Carl Franklin. <laughs> I've learned that if you're going to speak English out loud for any reason, you should not do it while ordering dinner at a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> You're a I've, funny man, Carl. I've learned I've learned that 
Excuse me, sir, but I ordered the chow mein. In Chinese means, please apply that piping hot chop suey directly to my privates. (laughs) (laughs) Yuck. I've learned that an entire egg roll fits perfectly in the average Chinese waiter's mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I've learned... A lot of studies have been done on that. I've learned at least one. I've learned that the wait staff at Golden Walk on Pearl Street, New London... All moonlight as instructors at Lee's School of Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing to learn that early, by the way. <laughs> Not late. I've learned that Chinese mustard hurts twice as much when forced into the nose with the palm oh. of the hand. Oh, oh no. Oh. Yikes. Ooh, Ooh my membranes. I've learned... <laughs> That 84 but hands. This is the first time you've said that, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Miller! <laughs> Sorry, Franklin, go ahead. I've learned that 84 hands doing kung fu moves really fast at the same time actually do make that campy swishing sound. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I've That's learned. Hilarious. I've learned that Mary Willis, a girl I briefly dated in high school, is a full-body cast specialist at Lawrence Memorial Hospital in New London, (laughs) Connecticut. (laughs) I've learned that John, the bailiff at the New London Superior Courthouse, has Wednesdays off. And the final thing I've learned this week, I've learned that... Surgical removal of a scorpion bowl from one's ass is not covered by Blue Cross Blue Shield. Ooh. And that's what I've learned this week. Uh, Ooh, very scorpion nice. Scorpion bowls are very big. Very, very big. Let me tell you, I'm not sitting down right now. <laughs> Guys, this was a weird week in news, wasn't it? So I know a lot of Monday's listeners out there are wondering why uh, Carl and Richard and myself have been silent about the uh, the uh, the Dick Cheney shooting for the last week. What? Um, well, what shooting? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can see for one of us, he was completely oblivious to the news, and uh, well, they were, for the rest of us, the reason we haven't said anything is uh, because we're a. F- weekly show guys okay (laughs) (laughs) go check the website that's why we've been silent well uh, of course i i know about this story and and i think it's just so ridiculous i wrote a little song about it It goes like this come listen to my story about a man named dick no one ever knew it but cheney is a hick when hunting on the ranch with a bunch of hicky guys flap flap blam shot his buddy in the eyes (laughs) buckshot that is Jesus Christ, that's gotta hurt. Well, the guys were only hunting, only trying to have some fun. Then Big Dick Cheney shot his buddy with a gun. They tried to keep the press from reporting up a row, but they couldn't cover up the attorney's peppered brow. Pock marks, that is. Head holes. Silver freckles. <laughs> It kind of makes me wonder if the man should go to jail for looking at his buddy's head and thinking, shoot the quail! So what does the attorney want for shooting out his eyes? He meets the press 
gets on the mic and proceeds to apologize. You don't believe me? See shrinkster.com slash C5S. You've heard it sung around the campfires. You've lifted your voices to its haunting melody countless times. Now, K-Smell Records introduces an all-new collection of the best of Clementine. That's right. It's good old Clementine sung by your favorite artists. Well, you'll hear the traditional version we all know and love. Go ahead and sing. In a canyon, in a cavern, for a mile. Let's hear it. Dwelt a minor 49er and his daughter Clementine. Everybody. Even more. Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling Clementine. You are lost and gone forever. Dreadful sorry, Clementine. But have you ever heard Clementine sung by the Beach Boys? Stand on 
beautiful story, Clementine. <laughs> In a tavern, it's a thing for a man. My darling, oh my darling, oh my darling, Clementine, you were lost in hell forever, devil. Sorry, Clementine. Drowned, that is. What complete? What collection would be complete without America's favorite tax evader, Willie Nelson? Yeah. Well, in a canyon, in a cavern. Excavating for a mile <laughs> Dwelt a mile And his daughter Clementine Oh my darling, oh my darling, oh Oh my darling Clementine you're lost and gone forever Dreadful sorry Clementine Well, welcome to Beanaid. <laughs> and don't forget, Black Sabbath! Oh yeah! a surge in patriotism across America. Join former President Bill Clinton for this all-American rendition. In a canyon, in a cavern, excavating for a mile. I feel your pain. Well, to minor 49 and his daughter Clementine. Cut, 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 cut. Clementine out of this. All right. Everybody's got to have an intern. Okay. And, and would you believe Beethoven? Beethoven. Beethoven. Yeah. How did he get on that bus? I don't know. All right. Beach man. In a canyon, in a cavern, excavating for a mine, dwelt a miner, 49er, and his daughter, Clement. Everybody! Oh, my darling, oh, my darling, oh, my darling, Clementine, thou art lost and gone forever, dreadful, sorry, Clementine. Ethel Merman. <laughs> Ethel Merman. 
If you don't do Ethel Merman, we'll go through the whole thing again. And I can't Ralph Nader is in the news this week. (laughs) Apparently, he's been uh, talking to the press and saying some very odd things. Doctors think that he may be suffering from a post-election depression bordering on psychotic behavior. For example, on Meet the Press earlier this week, host Tim Russert got about halfway through the interview, and out of nowhere, Mr. Nader started to sweat and shake. And in response to a very straightforward question on the economy, he suddenly found himself at a loss for words. Uh, the uh, this is uh, which uh, pop uh, pop. <laughs> well, <laughs> Mr. Russert then sensing something was wrong, tried to wrap it up, asking Nader if he had any calls to action for the American people now that things have gotten back to normal after the election, and he had this to say: I want everybody to party, party, party. <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter? That's not funny to you. <laughs> I mean, well, when Mr. Russert I'm not, asked I'm him, not sophisticated enough to, to to totally get all this. I mean, I'm laughing. I think I do think it's funny to answer your question. All but, right, shut um, up. I really do lack the sophistication to fully comprehend everything. When Russert asked him if that was really what he meant to say, Nader replied this. That's what I said. I think a majority of the American people, they want excitement. They want parties. And if they had any brains, they would swing. <laughs> <laughs> It's all about swinging. After realizing Mr. Nader was apparently suffering from mental stress, he tried to recover the conversation by asking if he had extended an olive branch to both Senator Kerry and President Bush. Mr. Nader replied with this. John Kerry and George W. Bush play with each other's members in private (laughs) with their tongues thrust into each other's ear. Yeah, at this oh, point, uh, at this point in the interview, Tim Russert started to laugh, and figuring the interview was shot anyway, he started to play along. Following up on a story of Mr. Nader's recent Viagra episode, Russert asked him if he was having problems with impotence, and without missing a beat, Nader replied this. It is hard as a rock, and growing, and I touch and play with my members, and the feeling of the ooze and the pus is <laughs> disgraceful. Uh, the camera the camera cut back (laughs) (laughs) now Rory's laughing well now it's down to my level yeah oozing putts and any kind of masturbatory reference he's laughing all over the place member well the the camera cut back quickly to Russert's empty chair he was apparently on the floor turning blue and then they cut back to Nader who was still talking into the camera with that serious dour look on his face that he's known for. And of course we have graphic and explicit pornography on our website with 10 of our staff dressed up in white waiter coats. And it is going to uh, stimulate the people to thrust <laughs> their big members forward and upward. Well, <laughs> and without further, and and without wow. further prompting, he went on with this. We know it's wrong. We know it leads to bizarre results, but it's fun 
and we should plunge massive tools up the ass of the Democratic Party. <laughs> That's great. At this point, the producer ran over to the camera to turn it off, but just before they did, Nader got in this last punch. We also uh, are going to engage in sex in public places like Walmart and McDonald's <laughs> in over 20 positions, including 69. Mr. Nader checked into St. Francis Hospital on Thursday and said to be resting, and that's what happened this week in politics. Story number four. Apple to unveil new video iPod on Wednesday. From Reuters in San Francisco. Apple Computer Incorporated has emailed invitations to reporters for a special event next week. That would be this week. Prompting speculation on the internet that the company would unveil a long-rumored iPod that can display videos. The invitation from Apple, which is notoriously tight-lipped about its future products, said simply, quote, one more thing, dot, 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 end quote. Many analysts have said Apple is all but certain to introduce a version of the number one digital music player that can also play video. Most models of the current iPods, in addition to playing music, can also display photos and perform other functions with accessories that are sold separately. Monday's correspondent Mark Miller took a trip to Apple's Cupertino offices last week to see if he could get a scoop and was repeatedly asked to leave. Isn't that right, Mark? That's right, Carl. The Apple Nazis were on high alert once they got wind of my visit. I was greeted at the front door by 13 bodybuilders, and they all must go to the same barbershop and tailor because every one of these guys has apparently dyed their hair bright white, and they're all wearing these black suits and dark sunglasses. <laughs> of course, they're all standing shoulder to shoulder, effectively barring my entry. I tell you, Carl... Security must have had my picture or something, because I'm usually able to reach the R&D labs before security figures out there's been a breach. <laughs> of course, before I can tell these gentlemen that I'm so impressed with their level of security, out comes a much taller genetic freak, and he's also got white hair and one of those superhero chins that the chicks seem to dig. Only this guy was <laughs> no superhero. You know, it really makes me wonder about Apple, Carl. I'm beginning to think there might be something darker, more sinister going on than the rest of the world is led to believe. Jesus, that's crazy. They wouldn't even let you talk to the receptionist? They wouldn't even let me in the bathroom, Carl. They said it was broken. I mean, what kind of Fortune 500 company leaves a bathroom in a state of disrepair? <laughs> it's as if they didn't even have to go, ever. Huh? Well, Carl, as I already said, I tried to use the bathroom. I'd been driving for a while, and I was in the rather uncomfortable position of either wetting myself or exploding. And the way these Apple maniacs have their secret headquarters located out in the desert... The nearest men's room was like 35 miles away. <laughs> oh, man. So I was forced to, like, whip it out and play fireman in public. And I'm not ashamed to say that I marked a little territory on the freaks in black. Oh, God. <laughs> so at first, it's, like, really subtle, right? I mean, just like a little splash on their shoes just to see if they react. But I'm getting nothing. So then I accidentally spray a bit on some guy's pants. Uh, uh, sorry, buddy. It's still no reaction. Soon I'm writing my name across their suits in big cursive letters. <laughs> what? And they didn't kick your ass? I'm telling you, Carl, no emotional response. I mean, not even when I started doing a sinusoidal waveform across the lineup. I mean, you know, I think a normal person would have reacted a little differently, don't you? This is unbelievable. Anyway, after about like 65 seconds of liquid extrusion, I decided there were probably too many of them to take on at once. But don't you worry, Carl. I've got a feeling that I'm going to meet these guys again sometime in the future. So did you get any kind of story at all, Mark? Story? 
It's fucking Apple, Carl. It's probably I think, some kind of small but edible music player that tastes like a chocolate wafer. Mark. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yes, I was able to track down an elusive yet highly vocal architect at a research lab in San Jose. He claims to have been a consultant on the Video iPod project. Mm. Hey, Jeff, can you play that interview, please? Hello, Mr. Miller. Hello, Mr. Uh, Don't say it. Um, Mr. Shmawayabukiduki. You really are an idiot, aren't you, Mr. Miller? So you say you were a consultant on this uh, video iPod project. What exactly did you do? Well, I did what any expert in nanoscale transfibulator technology would do. They came to me with a bunch of designs, and I looked at them briefly, and took a big crap, and went yeah. my ass with them, and immediately uh. got to work on a real design. <laughs> so you designed the video iPod. <laughs> well, uh, not exactly. Uh, uh, let's just say I focused the energies of the alleged electronics architects until they came up with a final design resulting in the video iPod. <laughs> so you're telling me that they had other ideas? They did not have ideas. What they had was roughly equivalent to a slow-moving mental bowel movement. <laughs> and I was the only one with ideas. They merely provided a cranial excrement-covered canvas which I was able to squeegee off and use to paint my glorious masterpiece. Nasty. You're learning some new uh, vocabulary words, aren't you there, Mr. Uh, Schmeckel? Uh, yes, Mr. Miller. All right, so uh, well, tell us, what other uh, suggestions did they present you with? Well, uh, there were many, but one that sticks out like a moron sandwich is the... <laughs> Consumable <laughs> cylindrical cone forming wood enclosed graphite rod shaping device. Uh, <laughs> the iPod yeah. pencil sharpener. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Uh, that was the first design that I used as a turd exfoliator. Oh. Uh, I see, Mr. Scoople. Uh, so, how did they Echo. finally stumble across the idea for the video iPod? Well, it all came into sharp focus uh, when they came to me crushed, defeated, completely tapped of their creativity, and I said those fateful two magic words to them. Golly gee, Mr. Skippy, are you saying video iPod? No, portable porn! Ah. Ah. You should have seen their little Caltech eyes light up <laughs> when I mentioned the P word. One of those little salivating even invented a bold new user interface for dynamic video zooming using the tip of the tongue. Oh, that's uh, disgusting. It certainly is. The schmuck got a $15 million research grant for that little pile of hippocampic vomit. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Scrotum, what are you doing now? Spreco! <laughs> Jesus! Get it right! <laughs> well, right now I'm uh, doing some quality control testing on the early units to see if the video iPod actually lives up to its namesake. Uh-huh. So you're watching a movie now. 
Well, uh, it's not really a movie, but uh, yes, I am watching a video. Uh, there's not much of a plot to say. Uh. <laughs> well, uh, I am now testing the tongue zoom feature. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you some time alone right now. We'll, we'll talk about this later. Oh, God. Uh, story number four. HP recalls 135,000 laptop battery packs. Hewlett Packard is recalling about 135,000 battery packs for some HP and Compaq laptop computers because of reports they overheated and melted, the Palo Alto, California company nice. announced Friday. Yes, the lithium ion rechargeable battery packs are used with HP Pavilion, Compaq Presario, HP Compaq, and Compaq Evo laptop computers. The company has received 16 reports of the batteries overheating, four cases occurring in the United States. The recalled packs bear a barcode label starting with GC, IA, L0, or L1. Hey, Jeff, aren't you recording the show on your pavilion? Uh, well, yeah, but my battery's fine.